This is Dana Steele. I lost my mother, Fran Nicholson, to Alzheimer's. I remember being absolutely blindsided by the diagnosis. I thought I knew what it was, but I had no idea where to start, where to go, what to do, what questions to ask, or what was coming. So I posted on Facebook. My mom was diagnosed with early stages of Alzheimer's today. Facebook became my community and my support and my therapy group. If I didn't know what to do, you did. When mom died, I decided I would tell our story, the good, the bad, even the funny, to try to help families and let caregivers know you are not alone. Speak up, reach out, ask for help, and remember there is no right way or wrong way to do this. I've now told my story for years. In a book titled Surviving Alzheimer's with Friends, Facebook, and a Really Big Glass of Wine. In a play, The Woman in the Mirror, which will be running the month of March in Palm Springs, California at the Revolution Stage Company. And now in a podcast. And now I want to hear your story. I want others to hear your story. I want to tell your story. This is Hashtag Surviving Alzheimer's. This podcast is brought to you in part by the book Surviving Alzheimer's with friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine. When mom was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, I posted it on Facebook. What started as a way to let friends and family know mom had Alzheimer's turned into a support system for me, and from that turned into a support system and a community. The first half of the book is the Facebook post, and that's to give people a sense of you're not alone. There's no right, there's no wrong. It's okay to laugh at inappropriate things. It's okay to cry. It's okay to say bad words, drink wine, and throw things. The other half of the book is uh, very important resources for caregivers. The one thing I want you to take away is you never know. Love your family. Love everyone. Take every adventure. Do everything, but also make sure you have everything ready to go and you're organized in the background so that when all is said and done, you have lived today. I wish I had known, and if I wish I had known, I think there's other people that wish they, that wish they could know what's coming next. Surviving Alzheimer's with friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine is available at Amazon in paperback and Kindle versions. And now, back to the podcast, Surviving Alzheimer's with Dana Steele. Joining me on hashtag surviving Alzheimer's today is Elizabeth Justice. Elizabeth is an organization expert. She often gets hired to not only come in and help somebody maybe clean out and organize their garage or move an entire 10, 12,000 square foot house across the country and, you know, pack it up, organize it, put it away, maybe clean some of it out. She also happens to be uh, the best bonus daughter in the entire world, my daughter-in-law. So thank you so much for doing this. Um, you and I, you and I have an aversion to stuff. We just don't like stuff. You open our closets, there's nothing in them. There's just no stuff. That is not the norm, Elizabeth. So for this particular episode, I want to start at the beginning. It's time to move. It's time to move mom and or dad. Uh, You've been putting it off forever, but you know you have to do it now. And the house has 40, 50, 60, 70 years 
worth of memories and stuff and every drawer is full every closet's full the attic's full everything's full elizabeth justice where do you start first of all how do you get them to start yeah it's a really good question and i would hope and if you're having these thoughts already that you start really early that is my biggest piece of advice to children of aging parents is start the conversation sooner than later and even if you don't see a lot of progress right off the bat you can at least plant those seeds that this needs to be dealt with. It's going to become a burden to me, my siblings, your grandchildren. It's not only a financial, it's a time burden. It's just a massive thing to leave behind. So just starting to ease into those conversations early. And I always say, if you're going to have this conversation with someone, start with the I statement, say like, I see that maybe there's a lot of stuff on the floor that doesn't seem very safe because I don't want you to fall things like that. So just starting by not saying like, you got to clean this mess up and this is going to destroy my life when you're dead and blah, 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 blah. That's not how to start that conversation. <laughs> start it with the I. Like, I see that you have a lot of things you're not using anymore. And maybe you could use that space to do something else. Things like that. So that's how to get started. And the earlier, the better. I have this conversation with my parents now, even though I hope they're very, very, very long ways away from being gone. So that is how to get started. So it's, it's overwhelming. Where do you start? Do you start with a drawer? Do you start with the floor? Like you said, where do you start? Once you've talked them into this and they're warming up to the idea, I mean, you don't want to just come in and bulldoze everything out of the house. So where do you start? How do you start? Um, I would start first if there are safety concerns, for example, if doors can't open all the way, if the floor is littered with items that could be a trip, fall hazard, fire hazard, things like that. Start with safety first. Once that's done, it can be really helpful and open up the space a lot to work on large pieces of furniture. And some, of course, have some, some sentimental value, but a lot don't. So you could just start by getting rid of any big pieces of furniture, things that are holding things that have never seen the light of day since 30 years ago things like that. <laughs> um, and then start with easy things like socks with holes in them, chipped dishes, things that are easier to let go of emotionally. Start there. Your seven get, spatulas. Your seven spatulas. <laughs> um, don't start by diving into family photos, your stuff from when you're in elementary school and stuff like that. That's really emotionally heavy and difficult. So start with some things that are easy to get some momentum going. Okay. Um, you know, there's, there's so many attachments. Sometimes I wonder what's wrong with me that I'm not attached to things. And a, a lot of that probably has to do with going through it with mom. Mm -hmm. And it was so painful. And then moving her six times every time I moved her, I mean, the first time was excruciating. And then every time after that, I had to get rid of even more things and more things and, and try to figure out at that point as Alzheimer's took hold, mm -hmm. what did she recognize? What did still mean something to her? Um, so, but when you first start, everybody's like, oh, but I couldn't get rid of that. Oh, but I'm so, you know, they're so attached. There's such an emotional attachment to things. Okay. This is where the psychologist part of you has to come in. What do you do with this? Yeah. And I think just starting with a, from a place of respect saying like, I understand like all the life you lived way before I was born, all the things that you've gone through and the emotions that's attached to all these things. So just starting with respect always 
and just trying to see are these things that they're actually enjoying looking at and going through like for example I'll use example of your elementary school papers again I bet your mom and my mom and everybody had a box of stuff like that but are they really looking at it and enjoying it and and going through it and feeling those memories again likely not 100% no but okay I'm just telling you I have it down to one box (laughs) Okay. Just because I thought you guys might have been someday going through it, you are welcome to throw it away. And my Sharpstown Tigerette uniform from when I was six is in there. Yeah. Because I'm just assuming at some point one of you is going to have a child. Damn it. Or I'm giving it to friends. So there. (laughs) Just telling you that's what's in there. Okay. (laughs) But see, you're 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 already getting at the point of like you have pared down those items to a few really important things that you enjoy having and you enjoy looking at. But if you've saved every paper from the whole school of every kid, you're not going to enjoy looking at that because it's too much. So really just being intentional with what you save and what you, when you're going through things, say like, mom, honestly, how long has it been since you even looked inside this box? How much are you enjoying it really? If you don't even know what's in there. And then- Okay, there is one thing in the box that you can't throw away. Okay. Okay, absolutely can't. It's Christopher drew it for me. Christopher being my stepson, your husband, drew it for me when he was like nine years old. And it was like a gift. It was like a birthday gift or something. I think it was a birthday card. And it's me in a cape. And it says super stepmom. So anyway, keep going. (laughs) I could never. I could never. Um, So just really getting down into what the emotions are and what are the things that they can continue to truly enjoy and put out on display or enjoy looking at and reliving those memories. So, and that's a very small, really, when you dive into it, number of things. Let's go back to getting started. Um, Break it down into, do you start with, let's just go through drawers, or Mm -hmm. do you start with a room, or do you start with the garage, or, I mean, because we're talking some, some homes that, you know, every room is full and and I understand starting with the things that are safety concerns, fire mm-hmm. hazards, tripping mm-hmm. hazards. Um, but even then, do you start with a room? Do you start with a section? What do you, where do you start? Yeah. So with my my you know adult clients, basically, I kind of usually start in one of two areas, which is either the kitchen or the bedroom. You spend a lot of time in the kitchen, like it or not, even if you're not cooking or doing those types of things, you're always there. So kitchen, those are two rooms that can have a lot of impact right away that you can really see a lot of progress in. Clothes, some people are very emotionally attached to clothes, but for the most part, people know they've either outgrown it, ungrown it, it's out of date, you know, whatever. So that is fairly easy to get through a lot of stuff. And then if you've kind of had these conversations early and often, and you're like in a good place with this person to say, hey, would you let me make some decisions for you like out in the garage where it might not be so safe or it's temperature is fluctuating and things like that to say like, all right, can you give me some permission to go out there and go through some things for you? Um, and if you have that good rapport and you're good, I think go through it and just, again, start with respect and say, this is someone's life. This is the things they have chosen to move and accumulate and bring with them through their whole 10 or however many years. <laughs> And then where does all this stuff go? Where does it go? Who wants it? It's like, you know, there's a line in the play where I say, nobody wants your 400 books and your three sets of China. 
And and one of the actors we were auditioning goes, libraries don't even want your books. Nobody wants those books. So um, you've had experience with this. Where do you take this stuff? Yes. And I will just say this is a huge barrier for people too. They they really want to see their items continue on in a positive way or be given to someone who's going to enjoy them. And that can be a huge barrier they have to break down to say not everything that meant something to you is going to mean something to someone else. Not everything you found useful is going to be useful to someone else. So really trying to get past that can be huge. But yeah, donations, you know, if you have a local you know, buy nothing group is one that I'm in here in Denver. That's like people share stuff for free, things like that. But really, I think, and if you're in this position, you've got to prioritize what's best for you and that person and, and not really get bogged down in, oh, I have to make sure this gets to a music store, or I have to make sure this gets to a kid's whatever, really just making sure you're, you're prioritizing and doing the best because you have a, a hard road ahead without trying to find the perfect place to give all of these things to. Certain things, yes, are certainly worth tracking down someone who's going to appreciate them. I'm sure you have a lot of music-related things that someone would die to have someday. No. (laughs) But not everything fits into that category or raises to that level. I know when we we sold the family home, we'd been there for, what, almost 29 years, or as um, your brother-in-law, Nick, likes to point out, as I ripped the family home out from under him. Yes. <laughs> and made him adult. Um, <laughs> and then we made, we gave up, we gave away a ton of stuff. Um, but we had a friend who's like, I want it all. I, I do garage sales, whatever. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. yours. Come and, you know, Great. come and take it. When we moved into that apartment and then when we moved into, uh, when we, when we moved out of the apartment um, to move into the townhouse, I first, I called you guys and mm-hmm. said, okay, ima- imagine we're dead. Y'all were like, Ooh, I'm like, but imagine we're dead. Yeah. What would you come in and want? And yeah. you're all, all of you are very, very, I mean, Dax in an apartment in New York and mm-hmm. can't fit anything. You yeah. guys are stuff averse. Nick mm-hmm. doesn't want stuff. So you kind of each picked one thing, which I found really interesting. And um, I was like, okay, we can keep those things for you. And then I called my cousins mm-hmm. on both sides of the family and said, you know, I have Nana's side table. I have Mama's tatted bedspread. I mean, these are all great, lovely things. They just don't mean anything to me anymore. I don't need them. Yes. And you guys certainly didn't want them. Um, So I gave my cousin seven days. You got seven days. I'm not bringing it to you. You got seven days to come over here and go through the stuff. And um, then I reached out on Facebook to, you know, just my, my private personal Facebook page and said, you know, do you have a kid going to college? Do you have, mm-hmm. I mean, if you want stuff, we are giving everything. We're getting rid of everything. I don't want to move yes. anything. I am, yes. I was, what was I, 63 years old at the time, and I have never had new dishes. Damn it. I'm going to buy, and I have new dishes now. Now, granted, they're from Target, but I have new dishes. Hey, um, new dishes are new dishes. And everything that was left, I, I found out uh, there was an older woman, a domestic violence survivor who had mm-hmm. finally, after, you know, years left this horrible situation she was in and we gave her everything, the furniture, the mattresses, the sheets, the towels. And she was thrilled because she was able to, to start over. So we were lucky in, in, in that case. Um, What about some of these places like 1-800-JUNK or what do you do? I mean, because if you do go, I want to take this to a music store. I want to take this to a Mm -hmm. China store, but you will, you will drive yourself insane. 
yes, it will be the end of your life by the time that project is done. <laughs> so I'm not joking. So um, yeah, certain things, again, they rise to that level to say, yes, I'm going to get this to the right place. But I, if you have the financial means and you can do it, lay a dumpster if you're going to clear this out really quick. Of course, this is assuming the person has already been put to care or cannot make these decisions anymore. Um, hopefully it doesn't come to that, but um, get a dumpster out. You can call, you know, there's 1-800-JUNK. I have um, an eBay guy, a guy who will come out and say, I'll take these 10 things. I can sell them for this on eBay. And so he can kind of be the bad guy for me sometimes and let people know that their stuff isn't worth what they think it is because you have to Oh, that's smart. Let it. somebody else go. Yeah. <laughs> the rest of this is trash. The rest of this is not worth what you think it is, unfortunately. So that is something you can do. And exactly like you said, when me and Chris got married, um, we had two of everything. So we um, gave it all to a person who was kind of starting their life over on hard times gave our second set of everything over to them, delivered it to their apartment and got them all set up, which was awesome because we didn't need it anymore. And they did. So there are ways to reach out. Like again, the buy nothing groups that everything free on Facebook. If you start posting there, um, sometimes people are looking to start their life over. So they're like, I need one of everything. Or people just have, we have, you know, a lot of fires here. Y'all have hurricanes. <laughs> so <laughs> sometimes people have to start over and you can find someone that needs those things. And that it, it does make you feel so good to be able to do something like that. Yeah. Um, just kind of, if you can think of something right off the top of your head, just a, yeah. a horror story, give me an organ, <laughs> an organization horror story that you walked in and went, Oh Lord, you know, what am I going to do yeah. here? Yeah. I actually use this one as a case study for my my class that I do for this. And this is a young family. So two little kids, mom and a dad, the parents pass away. Their home is about 45 minutes from here. So they are like, okay, we got to clean out mom and dad's house. Right. So they're starting to go 45 minutes, you know, one way back and forth every day, cleaning out the house. Meanwhile, they're paying bills at that house, electric heat, blah, blah, blah. They're paying to have the dumpster there. They're paying for services like 1-800-JUNK or Junk King is what we have around here to come and pick all the things up. All of a sudden they have this massive financial burden. Then they start to have financial burdens at their house. They had a water heater go out. The kids are sick. Things are just going off the rails, right? So I tell people, I'm like, if you want, you know, if your kids are crappy, I'm like, great, do it. Leave it for them to clean out. I'm like, if they've been bad to you, just leave it. But if you care about your kids and you love them and you care about their financial stability and their well-being, this mom was so harried. She was just crying every day because she's like, I know I got to get up to the old house to get more stuff cleaned up. I know I got to do this and this and this. And her house was already full. There wasn't a place to bring it. And she was just at the end of her rope for months. And it's like, is that how you want to leave your kids? Is that what you want to put them through when you're gone? If not, let's make some other plans. And it's going to be hard when your parents die, no matter what, we know that. And there's going to be stuff that has to be done and there's chores that have to be taken care of and stuff is going to have to be gotten rid of, but we can make it a lot easier on ourselves. Oh, that is fantastic advice. You said to me once, you're not, I think it's, it, you're not throwing away memories. You're just throwing away stuff. You still yes. will always have the memories. Yes. And, and I've got to say that everything, yeah, everything that we've gotten rid of, moving from the big house into the apartment, into the townhouse, there is not one thing 
one thing that I've gone, oh, I wish I had kept that. Literally one thing. And then being away from, um, you know, being on the road for the last year and traveling with just a carry on and a computer bag. I didn't even know what I had left at that. I couldn't, we couldn't, other than mom and dad's ashes, because I didn't want anybody <laughs> playing bocce ball with that artwork, you know, in the backyard. They might've liked that, but um, you know, the few clothes we had left, we locked them up. And and when we got back a few weeks ago, it was kind of like, okay, I'm going to open the cabinet. Cause I have no idea what's in here, whatever it is. I did not miss it. Yep. Did not 100%. miss it at all. So I tell yes. people you can get rid of this stuff. Um, yes. Go back to the very beginning. What you yes. said, don't wait. Yes. You don't have to be old. Your parents don't yeah. have to be moving out, but nope. don't wait. Don't wait. And like I said, I have this conversation with my parents all the time. They, we all have a plan of what to do. We're not guaranteed any more days <laughs> than we have right now. And there is an amazing book about this. If people are interested, it's called The Gentle Art of Swedish Death Cleaning by Margaret, Margaret, shoot, Margaret Magnuson. sorry. <laughs> but anyways, it's incredible. She starts when she's still able-bodied. Um, her mind is still clear. She starts doing this process for herself. And it is a beautiful story. It has a ton of humor in it. It's not sad. It's not depressing. It's amazing. So that's a little further reading if you need it. <laughs> Well, I will put a I will put a link to that in this podcast uh, description. Any anything else you would add? Um, I think one thing that you can do to make it fun is just like you said with your cousins and everybody, make it a party. Invite everybody over and say, "Hey, mom's on board to get rid of some stuff. Let's all get together. Let's have a family reunion. We're gonna scan pictures. We're gonna get rid of stuff. We're gonna talk about memories. She can share stories before." it's too late that she can tell us the stories of all these wonderful things that she did and has gone through before it's too late to do that. So I think make a big party of it. A get rid of stuff party. I yes, love it. My favorite party. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you so much. I love you dearly. Please come visit me. Well, you are going to come see the place so, so soon. <laughs> I know. Well, I love you. That's fantastic. And uh, there's two doors behind you. Is one of them a closet? Is there anything in it? Um, This is the door to the outside. And then this is the door to the bathroom. Okay. And see, she has no stuff. She has no stuff. So I'll have to, I'll have to put this video and show. She, she has no stuff. All right. Fantastic. All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hashtag Surviving Alzheimer's is brought to you by The Woman in the Mirror, an onstage manual disguised as a dark comedy for navigating Alzheimer's with love, laughter, and a little bit of wine. You can help bring the play to the Revolution Stage Company in Palm Springs, California in March with a tax-deductible donation to our grant fund. There's a link in this episode's description and on our website at survivingalzheimerspodcast.com. It is my love letter to caregivers. Remember, when it comes to Alzheimer's, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. Now, back to more of Surviving Alzheimer's. Thanks for listening to Hashtag Surviving Alzheimer's. The podcast is produced by Blue Squirrel Productions and JFA Entertainment, Dana Steele, me, executive producer. It's brought to you by the book Surviving Alzheimer's with friends, Facebook, and a really big glass of wine available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon. You'll be able to see the play, The Woman in the Mirror, in Palm Springs, California at the Revolution Stage Company in March of 2024. 
The original music in the podcast, I Remember, was written and is performed by Jeannie Cunningham. If you have questions, something you'd like to share, or you'd like to tell me your story, you'll find the corresponding links in this episode's description. And do me a favor, please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends and family. And as mom always said, I love you, a bushel and a peck, and a hug around the neck. Thank you.